Inspiring solutions to save America one show at a time. Are you ready to get on board? They believe that they can they can destroy this bond that exists between you and Trump if they somehow make Trump look bad, make Trump look like a reprobate, embarrass you about Trump. They can't do it because you came before Trump. Desperately want Trump gone, and I I know that they desperately want it codified that Trump cannot run again, because make no mistake, they remain scared to death of you, and they remain scared to death of Trump. Uh, Trump, 75 million, 80 million votes. And I'm going to tell you, you're not going anywhere. Even if Trump does, you're not. Which I think remains one of our big campaign strengths going forward. They can't separate you from Trump. And more importantly, they can't separate you from the ideas. They can't separate you from MAGA. They can't separate you from Make America Great Again. From sea to shining sea, three hours of bold truth and excellence. The Wendy Bell Radio Program. Welcome back. Hour number two of the Wendy Bell Radio program. Remember, you can always find us and watch us online. Wendy Bell Radio Network app. Join the live stream and join our family. One and a half million podcast downloads strong. It's one and a half million of you. That's huge. Wendy Bell Radio, wherever you get your favorite listening material. You know, before we get into this scramble to find Joe Biden's replacement... I think we need to be very honest about what we're seeing out there. Ronna McDaniel sucks. Okay, we're just going to say it. Ronna McDaniel is terrible. She has sucked since the beginning of time. She's a Romney. She sucks. We don't have to look into the crystal. Look, here's my magic eight ball. Okay, magic eight ball. Please, I'll I'll even do this for real. You ready? Magic eight ball. Does Ronna McDaniel suck? Yes. Cannot yes, pre- it says cannot predict now. Clearly, I got a defective magic eight ball. <laughs> Look, she does she does nothing. And they're going to say, well, she raises money for the party. Oh, she's really good at that sort of stuff. You know who we need? We don't need Harmie Dillon. We don't need Mike Lindell. We need Scott Pressler to be in charge of the RNC. What has Scott Pressler done? You guys followed this guy? I've had the great opportunity to work alongside him. He started off, by the way, coming to communities run by Democrats, by and large, came to a a, a small community in Pittsburgh to clean it up, to to clean up the garbage, to galvanize a literal, here's your trash bag. Now go out and help pick up garbage. And I showed up one day to help him do that. Now, a guy who's going to fly or drive all over the country to pick up everybody else's garbage is doing more than Ronna McDaniel is doing. Then he transitioned into something that was truly impactful. So is garbage. And you know how I feel about that. I hate filth. It is the biggest. It is the biggest demonstration of a fungu. I don't care enough about my community 
about my neighbors, about the landscape, about nature, about anything. And therefore, I'm going to throw my garbage out my car window. Some other schlub will have to pick it up. It, it makes me so angry. Scott Pressler started registering people to vote along the way. People in these communities, predominantly black and brown communities, came out and they're like, well, what are you doing? I see you picking up garbage, but why are you doing that? And then he started talking to them. And he, are you registered to vote? I, I've never voted. Well, can I tell you a little bit about who we support and why you might want to register? Well, sure. And so as they're picking up garbage, he's having conversations with them about conservative freaking values. It's not complicated. It's not about abortion. It's not about the trans crap. It's about basic stuff that we all care about. Safety, money, education, raising our families, keeping our kids safe, passing on a legacy, dreaming. And then at the end of the, of the cleanups, it was amazing how many people were willing to register Republican. And so Scott Pressler made his de facto life out of it. I don't know how he gets paid. I don't know what the guy does to get money. He gets in his car. And he drives all, all over the country. He's been in Florida. He's been here in Pennsylvania. He's been in Michigan. He's been in Arizona signing up people to vote Republican. He's done more than Ronna McDaniel has done. And what is her track record? I tried to find that this morning. How many Republican candidates have won with Ronna McDaniel in charge of the RNC? Crickets. Nobody has an iota of creativity or or journalistic ingenuity there i'm gonna enterprise my own story i personally think she sucks let me see if i can go out and prove it <laughs> right so thank you for letting me get that off my chest ronna mcdaniel is terrible and until we vote out rhinos like her uniparty swamp creature hacks like her and the people who say she's the only one because they by design are infected by lunacy too we don't start making the changes at the local level, period. So let's talk about this CNN scramble. Give him the green light. Joe Biden's done. His goose is cooked. We're going to bring out some big guns. Now, it might be controversial to you. I'm a fan of Van Jones. I think he's very smart. I disagree with him almost exclusively politically. But I think by and large, he's honest he gets emotional, and I believe he does a pretty good job conveying what he sees as the truth. Through Democrat lenses, yes, but I appreciate Van Jones. So this is a panel discussion, and he's the first guy talking. And the panel is, they're, they're trying to figure out what on earth are we going to do next? Joe sucks. Like, Ronna sucks. We need somebody else. And this is how, this is how Van Jones describes Joe Biden at this point in his political career, and he's right on. Go. Whether you not, whether you think he can actually come back from that. Well, he, right now he's he's swimming in oatmeal. I mean, Biden. I mean, it's it's tough because um, you look at the economy. The numbers are pointing in the right direction overall. He should be doing well with his base. Pass more bills and more laws. If he were to retire right now, he'd be on Mount Rushmore in terms of what he's been able to do. So should he? I would I would argue that it's time for him to look at that, looking at these numbers. People say, well, you know, Obama was down. Joe Biden is not Obama. I mean, Obama was still he had he had, he had the legs, he had the the the, uh, the charisma, 
Uh, Biden is not there. Now, see, I have to look at I have to look at this through Van's eyes. He thinks that Joe Biden is a success. I do not know how high inflation, how a wide open border, how us flirting on the brink of, of multiple wars is good for. I don't see how that is a notch in Joe Biden's belt or, or gives him the, even the remotest idea, Van Jones, that, that Joe Biden is like some hail worthy historical figure. Joe Biden is a political facade. He is a manufactured political figure groomed by the left years and years and years ago, who's predicated his entire political identity on death, on sympathy, on the victim card, his wife, his daughter, right? That his son died, that his other son is a wacko. He's weird, all of them odd, whatever. Right. It's all predicated on Joe Biden, the victim. Van Jones doesn't see it that way. So be it. But he says this next. Nobody's beating Donald Trump. So I guess there's a debate tonight. I I haven't been honest to God. I don't really care. I I don't really care what the other candidates have to say. And maybe that's short sighted. I don't. They're not going to win. You're not going to beat Donald Trump. You have one solution to save your political career, and it is to coalesce behind Donald Trump and to encourage everybody else to do the same. That's just me. So Van Jones says on the GOP debate tonight, nobody is going to beat Donald Trump, but there's something even worse vis-a-vis how this affects Joe Biden, because Joe Biden is old and he is tired. Listen. So, uh, look, you're going to watch the debate tomorrow. The debate, the debate tomorrow is really for who's going to maybe be a leader in the Republican Party in, in four years, I mean, or who's going to be the vice president. It's, it's important. These people are important. I am proud to see that there's three people of color on that stage. That's that's a historic uh, moment we shouldn't miss uh, tomorrow night. Uh, but none of these guys are going to catch Donald Trump. So you're looking at Donald Trump versus Biden, and the Biden coalition is tired. It's uninspired, uh, and people are scared. And there's no point in pretending that's not true. Or having people from, you know, the the uh, the Biden camp yell at us for, for pointing out the truth. That's the reality right now. So John Fetterman got up and he said something. There's two people, two Democrats running for president. One is Dean Phillips. The other, Gavin Newsom. He totally said this and said, Joe Biden's not even in the mix. So the CNN panel has this political writer named Josh Barrow speaking. And he's going to directly address what John Fetterman has said. That the Democrat Party is stuck and Kamala is not an option. Listen. It's too late to have an open contest for the Democratic nomination. The filing deadline's already passed in Nevada and New Hampshire. It's coming up in literally weeks in many states. I mean, the only person who stood up a campaign is Dean Phillips, as, as John Fetterman points out there. I mean, except for, you know, the, the, if we count Marianne Williamson. Um, and so the, unless you're going to try to elect Dean Phillips as the Democratic nominee, which I, you know, uh, Dean Phillips didn't even really seem to want to be here. He's basically been spending months trying to convince somebody else to run. And he's like, well, if nobody else is going to do it, I'll do it. But the problem is that, you know, this is a conversation the Democratic Party, if it was going to have it, needed to have a year ago when there was a time for other people to stand up campaigns. Right now, you literally can't get on the ballot in some of these states. If Biden withdrew tomorrow, I suppose Kamala Harris would become the front runner for the nomination. And with the exception of these New York Times polls that came out this week that everyone's so freaked out about, it's the only poll I can find this election cycle that has Kamala running better than Biden in a general election against Donald Trump. There have been dozens of polls showing that she's an even worse candidate than than Joe Biden to face Donald Trump. So basically, Democrats are, you know, this is where the party is stuck. They are stuck. And they know it, which is why they need us fighting and losing over abortion.
Do not fall into the trap. Please. All right, when we come back, there's a Republican strategist on the panel, and she says something very interesting about Biden's legacy. What do you think it is? I'll tell you what I think, and we'll hear what she thinks right after this. All right, so we're going to get back to the CNN panel. Van Jones is on it. They're talking about how can they get rid of Joe Biden? Who do they who do they bring in next? What's the what's the strategy? And they have a Republican on the panel. She's a strategist named Alice Stewart. And she says this is this is a very interesting question. Joe Biden needs to figure out what his legacy is. I'm going to tell you what I think his legacy is. His legacy is the asterisk in the World Book Encyclopedia and on Wikipedia that says disgraced dirtbag of a president who schemed and lied his way and sold access to the office and is a disgrace. That is what I think is going to happen. I believe that more than any. I would rather that happen than Joe Biden be, be punished for what we know he has done. Listen to Alice Stewart, the Republican strategist on the CNN panel. The problem with this recent uh, New York Times Siena poll is that everyone likes to talk about polls or snapshots in time. This is a highlight on a trend of downward spiral for, for Joe Biden. His numbers, he has gone from ahead of Trump to head to head with Trump. Now he's behind in these key five states. And when you have Key Democrats, obviously Van Jones and the laundry list of people you said that this is a, a serious concern. Sidney Blumenthal as well, saying that he needs to take a serious look at what he's doing. Joe Biden needs to look at what does his legacy need to be? Does he want to be the person that beat Donald Trump? Or does he want to be the president that overstayed his welcome and potentially lost to Donald Trump? And because what he's doing is he is losing key voters, the black and youth vote they're frustrated with him, A, on the, the fact that the student loan debt did not come forward. They're frustrated with his position on Israel. American people feel, 74% of American people feel they are worse off economically under his, uh, his actions. And Bidenomics, he's out there selling Bidenomics, and people aren't buying it. They're earning, earning less, they're, they're paying more, and they, they just don't have confidence in his state of the economy. And if I were a Democrat... I would be looking elsewhere. Van Jones is going to wrap it up succinctly. I disagree with what he says. However, at the very end, he says something exceedingly telling. Listen. I think I think people are, are, are nervous. People are nervous. And I think people keep telling those of us who are nervous that, you know, we're bedwetters, et cetera. I say, well, you know, invest in Pampers. Uh, invest in Depends. <laughs> uh, we're still nervous. Nothing has changed. And, you know, they say, well, you, know, you beat them before. Listen, if that were good logic, the same team would win the Super Bowl every year. That's not the right logic. The question is, Biden was the right answer for uh, coming out of four years of crazy with Donald Trump because the hope was he was going to end the crazy. The reality is he's done a great job, but the crazy is crazier than ever. And so that doesn't mean that the same guy that was good for you four years ago is where you want to go next. The only reason four years of Donald Trump was crazy is because the media were infatuated. The left became addicted. It was their infatuation. It was their muse, their hatred of Donald Trump. So coming up, we're going to talk about the the censure of of Rashida Tlaib. Um, It happened with Democrats voting in favor of it and some Republicans voting against it. We're going to get to the nuts and bolts, but... Everybody gets a chance to speak. And so the squad had their individual chances to speak on the floor. And I want you to hear Rashida Tlaib's plea to her fellow congressmen and women. And it's all, this is, this is the entire play. 
It's all emotion driven. You're going to hear her start to struggle and imagine in your mind Ilhan Omar coming over to put her arm around her friend. It's okay. I know you want to kill all Jews, but here you go. Because that's essentially what she's saying. From the river to the sea. That's what it means. Listen to Rashida Tlaib yesterday on the floor. Crazy. And anti-Semitism makes us all less safe and worry that your own child might suffer the horrors that six-year-old Wadia did in Illinois. I can't believe I have to say this, but P- Palestinian people are not disposable. We are human beings, just like anyone else. My city, my grandmother, like all Palestinians, just wants to live her life with freedom and human dignity we all deserve. Speaking up to save lives, Mr. Chair, no matter faith, no matter ethnicity, should not be controversial in this chamber. The cries of the Palestinian and ch- Palestinian and Israeli children sound no different to me. Why, what I don't understand is why the cries of Palestinians sound different to you all. We cannot lose our shared humanity, Mr. Chair. Oh boy. From the river to the sea, Rashida. That's not some humanitarian cry for peace. That's the battle cry for Hamas. Whose goal is to eradicate Jews. So spare us the sob story. And you're going to hear many sob stories. You're going to hear, you're going to hear Ilhan Omar sound like an unhinged lunatic. And that is why this next segment is, is entitled, <laughs> I love this, Where Unhinged and Triggered Meet. Well, it happened to be yesterday on the floor of the House of Representatives. We got the sound for you. Do not go anywhere. It's next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. So I'm going to go at this kind of backwards because normally we would say, all right, so the House brought up again this motion to censure Rashida Tlaib. It's yes, it's ceremonial, but it. It sends a message. Look, we understand that you are a Palestinian American. Look, we understand that this is serious to you. However, you have Jewish people in your district. And they expect you to care about them as much as you care about everybody else. And when you go out and you chant hateful rhetoric when you chant the Hamas battle cry and then try to cover it up and say, no, 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 I'm about all people. No, you lose us and you've gone too far. Normally, I would start with the vote. I'm going to talk to you first about all of the impassioned squad members. Please, to the to the body of the House. No, you don't want to censure her. Now, all of these people are squad members. You've got Cori Bush. You have Ilhan Omar. You have Jamal Bowman, Ayanna Presley, And I think it's prudent that we get through all of them. I want you to listen to these people and their arguments. And I want you to hear and decide for yourself, do these people, all Democrats, do they represent my values? Is this what we ought to be talking about and being upset about Right now, in this moment of time, you decide. I'm not going to tell you what to think. You do it. Here's Cori Bush. 
She's the congresswoman from St. Louis who's now got a challenger on her hands because the people of Missouri say, we think you suck, and she does. So here's Cori Bush, everyone's favorite victim. Grab your oxygen because she is about to lose her mind. St. Louis and I rise today in opposition to this central res- resolution um, and in also in opposition to the reckless manner that people in this house speak when they don't realize or don't care that they put targets on the backs of actual people, most of whom are black and brown, because of, of uh, a lack of care and a lack of understanding and a lack of seeing the humanity of folks who look like Rashida Tlaib. It's outrageous that my colleagues are blatantly, blatantly attempting to silence the only Palestinian American representative right here. Um, It's outrageous, but it's not surprising. And let me tell you, it's not surprising because this place is where 1,700 members of Congress, this elected body, enslaved black people. It's not surprising because they thought it was right. It's not surprising because this is a place where members continue to claim that the insurrection on the Capitol just appeared to look like a normal tourist visit. It's not surprising because this is the place where our black and brown staff members repeat speak of experiencing racism and sexism, Islamophobia, get pushed off of elevators, xenophobia and more right here in this workplace. This is the place. And let me say this. She mourns for the 1,400 Israelis. She mourns for the 10,000 and she will not stop. No more. No more. Cease fire now. And she takes the The, death threats that you all send. The gentlelady is no longer recognized. The gentleman from Maryland. Gentlemen from Maryland is recognized. What? So everybody in Congress, you're xenophobic. They try to push us off of elevate. What? She's gotten death threats. That is unhinged. You're you're unhinged, Corey. See, we've got issues we got to talk about. And a sitting member of Congress calling for the extermination of Jews is not helpful. That is what this vote is about. Tone down the rhetoric. This isn't complicated. Total freak out. You think that's bad? Okay, here's Ilhan Omar. Okay? Ilhan Omar ready to lose her collective mind as well. Go. What is true here is that every single one of them has not acknowledged the fact that Palestinians are dying in the tens of thousands, but will continue to say it is us who are not acknowledging humanity. Rashida will stand strong and the Palestinian movement will continue for liberation until every single Palestinian has the right to live in liberty. Okay, so... If you don't even pay attention to what she's saying, but how she's saying it, it sounds so familiar to us. It was almost like we've heard this sort of violence rhetoric before. Listen. Für richtig hältst, ob du glaubst, dass ich fleißig gewesen bin, dass ich gearbeitet habe, dass ich mich in diesen Jahren für dich eingesetzt habe, dass ich anständig meine Zeit verwendet habe im Dienste meines Volkes. Gib du jetzt deine Stimme ab, wenn ja... Adolf Hitler, 1935, talking in Germany. Does it not a totally different language? Is it not the same? Yes. 
Yes, it is the same. And then this, the, then your favorite fire alarm yanker, Jamal Bowman, <laughs> he's going to step forward with his mortal su- moral superiority and he's going to finger wag all of you. He's going to call people on the Republican side of the aisle racist and white. Listen. Uh, rise in opposition to this resolution. First and foremost, can we please stop misrepresenting Representative Tlaib's words? She does not want to kill Jews. She is not in support of Hamas. She is speaking as someone who is the only Palestinian American to serve in this body. Without her voice, we would lack even more empathy for the people of Palestine. We would not have someone with direct personal experience speaking against the siege that is happening now in Gaza. This body needs empathy and compassion for all people, not just people that look like the majority of my colleagues on the other side of the aisle. And maybe because of your lack of diversity, you lack the cognitive and emotional ability to recognize diverse opinions when they speak truth to power. And you absolutely need to open up your mind to other people and other experiences, especially when they are Muslim and when they are women and when they are people of color. You had a member of your party call my colleague a terrorist and you didn't censor her. But we're having this conversation now about your interpretation of words. Members are reminded to direct their comments. I'm so glad we have Jamal Bowman to, to tell us who we ought to be and how we ought to act. Jamal, you suck. Sit down. Why do they have to scream, too? Do you guys listen more when somebody screams at you? Or do you totally turn them out, right? I totally tune them out. Well, here's Ayanna Presley. You can't have the whole squad without her. (laughs) And we decided to chop her up into three different parts. So she's going to say that if you have different viewpoints than Rashida Tlaib, you are an Islamophobe. Boy, they're dropping all the greatest hits on this. Let's go. Number one. Mr. Speaker, I rise in opposition to this censure resolution that is blatantly Islamophobic, anti-democratic, and an utter waste of time. This resolution is as dishonest as it is unproductive. Any member who denies that Congresswoman Tlaib is opposed to the killing of of civilians, Israeli, Palestinian, and Americans alike, is willfully ignoring the truth. Representative Tlaib was elected by voters in Michigan to do exactly what she does best, advocate for a better, safer, more just world. She leads with love, speaks truth to power, and seeks justice even when her life and that of her family and her staff are threatened. Ayanna, you know, I don't want to get in the way here and be nitpicky, but um, love is not from the river to the sea, okay? That's not love. That's not justice. That's not... mm. That's not a humanitarian right there, that you're trying to triumph. Wow, I love her. She's the best. And because we disagree with her rhetoric and find her reprehensible in many ways, does not make us Islamophobic. But thank you for all of you playing the victim card, which is so obvious to detect in the, in the, the, the deck of cards that we have. Death threats, right? Racism, Islamophobia. What's next? Ayanna Presley continues. Republicans attack her because they don't like what she has to say. Well, yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't like what she has to say. Go ahead. 
as a daughter, mother, sister, friend, advocate, and effective duly elected three-term first ever Palestinian American member of Congress, she has been a much needed voice in an institution that has too often failed to listen. Today, Republicans are again attacking a Democratic colleague just because they don't like what she has to say. <laughs> yes, you're right. We don't like what any of you have to say. You know what I also don't like? I don't like Jamie Raskin lying all the time. I don't like Adam Schiff's dream sequence uh, recollections of a phone call that he wasn't privy to. I don't like Adam Kinzinger uh, lying on purpose, Liz Cheney and the entirety of the January 6th commission presenting a disgustingly flawed and untrue narrative about what happened that day. We don't like any of it. So you're right. We don't like you. And finally, Ayanna Presley with this beautiful thing. She says, Republicans are the real traffickers of hate. And all we care about is putting our knee on the neck of the women out there of color. That's all. You might not know about it, but that's what you want to do. Listen. Another shameful but predictable ploy of distraction from the real traffickers of hate who are obsessed with policing progressive women of color. I oppose this offensive resolution for every little girl from Michigan to the Middle East who sees herself when they see the leadership of Representative Rashida Tlaib. Okay, so let's take what you just heard. This is where triggered and unhinged meet, right? It's like Wonder Twins. Here you go. What do you have? You have your blueprint to win 2024. They want to go emotional. They can't win on facts. Bank accounts don't lie. Suspicious activity reports don't lie. Border patrol numbers, fentanyl deaths don't lie. Inflation numbers, interest rates, the national debt don't lie. Unemployment, etc. They know they're screwed with the facts and so they have decided to wage war using feelings and that is why i say and i will stand by every day that republicans need to get out of the abortion conversation step away from the trans child surgery realm don't go there focus on the facts and the fact is we were all better with president trump all right when we come back i got to play this for you i will actually want to give you the the specifics on who voted how in this vote to censure rashida Tlaib, which they ultimately did the tally the breakdown next on the wendy bell radio network Interesting article on The Hill today. 22 Democrats vote to censure Talib over Israel. Criticism is the headline. This is not a conservative publication by any stretch, left-leaning, if anything. This is the story. 22 Democrats voted Tuesday to censure Rashida Talib for her criticism of Israel following Hamas's deadly attack last month. The resolution, sponsored by Representative Rich McCormick from Georgia, Republican, 
accused Tlaib of, quote, promoting false narratives regarding the October 7th Hamas attack on Israel and for calling for the destruction of the state of Israel. It also references her use over the weekend of the controversial phrase from the river to the sea, which is considered by many to be anti-Semitic. Democratic leadership earlier in the day, as we just heard, urged members to vote for a motion to kill the resolution. The party largely stuck together with only one Democrat voting to advance it. Many defended Tlaib's right to make the controversial comments, citing the First Amendment despite disagreeing with her words. But on the final vote, and this is really interesting because we look at and regularly monitor, certainly the Speaker's race gave us a front row seat to this, the unanimity in which the Democrat Party, in Congress at least, operates. They vote as a block. They are clone troopers. Nancy Pelosi tells them what to do, and they do. You have more rogue nations on the Republican side. You have staunch conservatives. You have moderate conservatives. And then there's, you know, people who just suck. (laughs) And they do. And there are those people, right? So we're more, less, less congealed, if you will. So when 22 people on the Democrat side of the House vote in favor of censure of one of their members, that is a significant day. We are at an exceedingly perilous moment when emotions and intentions are on a razor's edge. I believe that members of Congress should be free to express their opinions, no matter how distasteful they may be. I also believe they have a duty to express the values and the priorities of their districts. This was Congressman Brad Schneider of Illinois said of his vote to censure Tlaib. He added, I recognize this censure resolution is not a perfect resolution in its language or form, but unfortunately, it is the only vehicle available to formally rebuke the dangerous disinformation and aspersions that Representative Tlaib continues to use and defend. I feel I have no other recourse but to vote to censure her. Here are the Democrats who voted in favor of that censure resolution. Steve Cohen, Tennessee, Jim Costa, California, Angie Craig, Minnesota, Don Davis, North Carolina, Lois Frankel of Florida, Jared Golden of Maine, Dan Goldman, New York, New Jersey's Josh Gottheimer, Ohio, Greg Landsman, Susie Lee from Nevada, Kathy Manning, North Carolina, Jared Moskowitz, Florida, Wiley Nickel, North Carolina, Chris Pappas, North New Hampshire, rather. Marie Gluskenkamp Perez, Washington. Pat Ryan, New York. Illinois' Brad Schneider. Kim Schreier of Washington. Daniel Soto of Florida. Richie Torres of, North, of New York. Schultz, Debbie Wasserman, Florida. And Frederica Wilson of Florida. That is big. It is significant. This is the same thing as George Soros and Alex Soros putting out a statement, a tweet yesterday from the Open Society Foundation, trying to mend what is a a huge chasm in their future. And it is don't alienate people and create an obvious spotlight that you are funding these pro-Hamas organizations any more than they want anybody to know that George Soros and the Open Society Foundation funded and arranged this past weekend's convergence of all of these hundreds of thousands of people who magically, magically got Palestine flags, 
magically got their face gear, their their scarf things, right? And and all converged on Washington, D.C. This is created by the pockets of George Soros. These Democrats are saying, uh, we've got to be careful here. You cannot alienate the Jewish community this way. And alienate you are. Look, Jews are in the highest echelons of all industry, of our media. They own so much of our media. They own so much of of Hollywood. These are very important voices who are being Heismaned in a political moment. And these Democrats are saying, knock it off. In addition to the Democrats who bucked their party, four Republicans voted against the censure. Ken Buck of Colorado? Nobody's surprised by that? He actually spoke in opposition of it. And? Anything unusual? Anything extraordinary? No, he just spoke in opposition of it, saying we shouldn't be doing this. John Duarte of California, Thomas Massey of Kentucky, and Tom McClintock of California. So what does this mean for Rashida Tlaib? I don't know. I have no idea. It strikes me as a largely ceremonial, procedural kind of thing. But these people need to be on the record to say, look, I held my people accountable. Does that make Jews on college campuses feel any safer? Does that make anybody any safer? As we now know, and I heard this last night, that apparently the Department of Defense is cranking up a terror threat warning now i i searched for it this morning searched all over can't find anything don't you think we ought to know these things don't you think after nine ten million people come across our border and these aren't people who are fleeing religious or political persecution these are people some of whom hate us many of whom hate us and we're told well we inherited a broken system These are the facts that the Republicans need to run on. These are the stories, the provable, demonstrative, data-driven stories where we resonate with people. Esoteric feelings and crying and, oh, I was discriminated against. Ain't gonna move our needle, friends. All right, don't go anywhere. Hour number three of the Wendy Bell Radio program is on deck. You know, bank accounts don't lie. Neither do the Capitol surveillance videos, which we just got. And what they prove blows up the January 6th commission. Wait, it's next on the Wendy Bell Radio Program. <laughs> 